You're listening to the Memphis MedCast, a podcast series from Memphis Medical Society. Find out more about our mission and services at mdmemphis.org. Hey, podcasters, we're happy to share this interview with Dr. James Beatty from Campbell Clinic with you. We hope you enjoy it. We're happy to do this for other members who may be listening. Hello out there, everybody. It's Clint Cummins, CEO of the Memphis Medical Society. Glad to be back with you again for an episode of Memphis MedCast. We're trying something a little bit different this time that I'm really excited about, uh, interviewing uh, one of our members uh, who's doing exciting and interesting things in the community. And this is something we hope uh, to bring to more of our members and for our members uh, as we move forward with our uh, Zooming and our podcasting and everything else um, virtual that we do. And so in order to kick this off, I really can't think of anybody better uh, to do it with. We have Dr. James Beatty with us today from the Campbell Clinic. Hello, Dr. Beatty. Hi, Clint. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for asking. I hope you're doing well today. Um, I'm going to kick us off with just a little bit of a bio and background on Dr. Beatty and try not to embarrass him too much, but um, uh, I think it's good to to cue it up for everybody that's out there watching and listening uh, to this. Uh, Dr. Beatty and I share a couple things in common, actually. Um, He is a graduate of Washington and Lee University, and uh, I actually lived in Lexington, Virginia for a brief Um, amount of time. So um, I think that's interesting that uh, he went to that university. And uh, Dr. Beatty has been involved in a lot of different initiatives in medicine in his career. Um, It looks like he's been president of virtually every national and regional orthopedic medical society that there is. Um, And that says a lot about him. It means he did a good job every time, right? Because if you did a bad job, you wouldn't have gotten appointed to those um, other seats. Uh, and then most uh, specifically for us, Dr. Beatty is one of our newest members of our board of directors, um, and he's been a, a great advocate for us already um, in his short time on the board, and I've enjoyed getting to know him and going to get to know him a little bit more uh, today. So, um, and one more thing about I'll say about Dr. Beatty, which um, uh, is important to physicians nowadays. I, I'm looking online. He's rated 4.9 out of 5 as a provider. I know you're proud of that, Dr. Beatty. <laughs> Um, but in all sincerity, Dr. Beatty's actually cared for my child, even, and that was before he was on the board of directors, before we even knew who each other were. Um, he saw my child, did a great job, and, um, and uh, we've got happy and healthy children as a result. So um, I can vouch for his quality as a provider. So we've got a good leader and a good provider on the call today, and um, that's uh, always a good thing. So uh, Dr. Beatty, I'm going to jump into it. Um, We're recording this on April 29th, 2021. Uh, Most people would say we're on the tail end uh, of the pandemic that we've all been enduring for uh, 12 to 15 months, depending on what part of the world that you're in. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about how Campbell Clinic has adapted during COVID and uh, what, if any, long-term changes, benefits, best practices, those types of things um, that you guys have learned throughout? Thanks, Clinton. Thanks for those kind comments in your introduction. I really do appreciate your uh, very kind and gracious words. Uh, I think it's safe to say that all of us have learned a lot about COVID uh, during the past uh, 15 months or so. Um, we go, Going back to the early winter of last year and where we are now, no question how much things have changed and how we've had to adapt over time. Uh, I would say specifically for Campbell Clinic and for us as physicians, Uh, The first thing that happened to us, of course, was that we went through the period of not being able to do any surgery 
particularly in the elective surgery that happened in the spring of 2020. One of the most interesting things that happened for us as a group and for orthopedics as a specialty is that despite stopping elective surgery for several weeks during that time frame, you have to remember that trauma continued and children were born and children were injured and adults were injured during that time frame. So the trauma actually continued in all the things that happened in orthopedic surgery. And I think for us, two things happened about that with COVID. The first thing was that we continued to provide care through the hospital systems. Uh, patients were coming in through the emergency room and we still had to provide care for them. The second and most interesting thing was that uh, a number of the outpatient surgery centers, including ours, remained open so that patients who had fractures and required urgent care and we were having difficulty getting them into the hospital system, we could still provide care for them in the outpatient setting. And so we continued to do that with fracture management. So those, I think, are probably the two very interesting things that happened at the beginning of COVID. And since that time, uh, all patients who are undergoing elective surgery now are particularly coming into the hospital are being required to have COVID testing before they come into the hospital. And we are, uh, we've learned very well how to adapt to all policies that are being created, not just federal policy or state policy from the governor, but even from the County Health Society and our expertise in the community from some of our physicians who are providing great advice about COVID. So as we get into the end of April of 2021, I'm hopeful that as the summer unfolds and things begin to ease, that we're still going to be paying quite a bit of attention to the COVID issue. At the end of the day, we want things to remain safe, not only for us as practitioners, but also for our patients, of course. And then the very last thing I would say moving forward is that uh, all of us as physicians were vaccinated early in the winter of 2021, but we remain uh, diligent in encouraging our patients and their families and friends to go ahead and get vaccinated so that we can try to increase the numbers in the, in not only in our metro area, but also in the country. So I think that Clint, that's what we really learned. So was there anything uh, that you changed in the clinic that is gonna stick after COVID? Well, we've gone from uh, temperature testing and mask requirements and COVID testing for those patients undergoing surgery I suspect as we get through the next um, six to nine months, um, I'm sure some of those things are going to change as some of the mandates change. Uh, it's interesting, the most recent mandate that we've seen from both the, the uh, CDC and also even within our own governor has been about uh, not using masks in an outdoor setting, except when you're in large crowds. Uh, the most interesting thing, though, is that if there's still some of that risk to occur indoors, uh, we're going to be practicing indoors, seeing patients in the outpatient setting and in the operating room and in the hospital. So I don't know that those mandates will change as quickly as the ones regarding outdoor activities. I'm, I'm hopeful, I think most of us are, that as more of the country is vaccinated, and we hope, we uh, dramatically hope that the numbers will go down that uh, some of these things will ease up for, for COVID going in the future. I think one question we have as physicians and I personally have is, am I gonna be expecting my booster for COVID in the fall or early winter of 2022? Uh, I, I wait to hear from our public health officials and our researchers to hear if that's true or not. 
Yeah, it's uh, still a lot of touch and go for everybody. You know, you brought up vaccination and I want to tell a quick story. Um, I'm supposed to be questioning and interviewing you, but I want to tell a quick story um, about Campbell go Clinic. Ahead. Um, and this, this applies to some other clinics in our community as well, but I, I want to brag on Campbell Clinic for a second. Uh, the physicians and the administrative leadership at Campbell Clinic, when it came to vaccinating their staff, were just um, Johnny and Jill on the spot. I mean, uh, yeah. and that goes all the way up to the CEO, which uh, was in transition at the time. Um, George Hernandez was moving on and Daniel Shoemate was um, coming in to take the, right. the role. Both of those uh, men and uh, their teams were making sure that Campbell Clinic uh, employees had ample access to the vaccine. Uh, they were actually working with us to help coordinate uh, where they would go, whether that was down to Regional 1 or some other facility in the community. And uh, they really took that opportunity seriously and made their uh, clinic schedule work around that. And um, the organization just did a great job. And um, I think at last report, y'all have a pretty significant percentage of your employees that um, were vaccinated. And I just think that speaks volumes about the clinic. Yeah, you're nice to say. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, I think I was very proud of our leadership, and we have to take the lead in this. And uh, our patients, I think, are watching very carefully what we're doing as physicians and in the administrative world. And when they see that we are we're following and doing exactly what they should be doing, I think we need to lead in that way. Well, and uh, the word leaders is right behind your head on the screen. I don't even know if you realize that, but uh, it's a it's a timely word. Um, Campbell Clinic is obviously one of the national and international leaders in orthopedics. And uh, there's one project in particular that's been an ongoing project throughout the clinic's history. And I know you have a lot of personal involvement about that. So I'm going to stop with the theatrics and let you talk about uh, the book that you've been working on. Well, it, Clint, it just so happens I have one copy of the volume I'm going to raise that up and show it to you real quickly, real, real quick like. Um, and that's uh, the 14th edition of Campbell's Operative Orthopedics. And so the history of the book is fairly interesting. Campbell Clinic has been an, a Memphis institution since 1909. So we are uh, well past our century celebration as a group. Uh, Dr. Campbell published the first edition of Campbell's Operative Orthopedics in 1930. And we just completed the 14th edition of this textbook. So the, the, the purpose of Campbell's operative is to provide information for orthopedic surgeons around the world. And the book itself is a four volume textbook that has well over 1600 surgical procedures. Uh, we have uh, almost 40 contributors to the textbook. Uh, most of them who are Campbell clinic physicians. Uh, and the idea is to provide a textbook that will give orthopedic surgeons worldwide specific information about performing orthopedic procedures. In addition, each surgical procedure has a significant amount of background information because what we want to do is not only provide those physicians with information about doing surgical procedures, but also the reasons why and the background of how you get to that point and what the options are for all types of treatment. So we cover everything from uh, surgical care of children and babies and children all the way up to the geriatric population. Um, in addition, each edition, it, we've been publishing anywhere from four to seven year intervals uh, during the past almost 90 years. 
And what happens is with each edition, we update techniques that are going on around the world. We are very picky about making sure that we don't want to exactly be the first to jump on the bandwagon until we are sure that this procedure is going to be safe and effective for our patients. But on the other hand, we want to be sure that the textbook is up to date and modern. So we are editing and uh, replacing procedures that become outdated with new procedures and with new contributors to the textbook. Uh, we also provide um, a CD for those who are certainly you can read about read the book on the internet. Uh, we have videos of procedures that go along with it that are well edited five minute videos that may edit a, a one or two hour surgical procedure down to five to 10 minutes. Uh, so it's, it's a real task for us. We're very proud of it. Uh, globally, uh, the textbook is read around the world. It's translated into probably 10 languages uh, at this point around the world. Um, and we are very, very proud to uh, have friends say that they, they casually refer to it as, quote, the Bible of orthopedics. Uh, we feel pretty proud to know that they look at it that way and consider it a very reliable and credible reference source for them and for their patients. Because at the end of the day, what we're interested in is providing high quality care for, for our patients and those patients worldwide. And a great reference textbook will allow that to happen. So we're now through with the 14th edition that's been out now for about five months. And believe it or not, at the end of this year, we'll start working on the 15th edition and get ready for that next one to come around in four or five years. So it's an ongoing process. It seems like it never ends. Yeah, well, because when you think about it, uh, what we're doing is reviewing the current literature that's being published around the world. And we'll use the current literature and information provided through medical meetings and published data over the next 12 to 24 months to update the information we're putting in the book. And so that process goes on around the, around the clock and around the year and will help us make for a higher quality edition when we update the next one. Well, um, it's hard to live up to um, comparisons to the Bible, uh, but are there other things? <laughs> are there other things at the clinic going on that you're excited about and want to talk about? A couple of things. I, I, I think that the most people will know that the mission of our clinic is a combination of um, high quality clinical care plus uh, research plus education, and then finally community service, service to the underserved and the undercared for in the Memphis and Mid-South region. Just from a practice standpoint, uh, most people know that we have built a brand new building that's on Wolf River Boulevard that's now, uh, has been open now for about 15 months. Uh, it's a pretty large facility, 120,000 square feet with the ability to have uh, nine physicians in the office seeing patients at one time. Uh, we have uh, eight uh, rooms in a surgery center on the top floor and a very large physical therapy space combined with uh, actually a, a sports uh, learning center and sports uh, performance center for higher quality and higher level athletes. Uh, we have some weekend warriors that are coming in as well to the high level athletes. So a lot of people are working on their training. We renovated the building that's at 1400 Germantown Road in the meantime, so that we now have ability to see patients there as well as physical therapy. Uh, we also have a second surgery center in the Midtown area 
and also um, uh, five locations around the Mid-South area. Uh, so we, this practice has grown significantly. We continue to recruit new physicians. We have several new physicians joining the group this summer, particularly in spine surgery and foot and ankle surgery. Uh, many people know how subspecialized orthopedics has become over the last 15 or 20 years. So now even within orthopedics alone, there are basically 10 subspecialties. And our group uh, embraced that philosophy in the 1950s and has continued to expand the scope of our practice to serve our patients who require really high quality subspecialized care within orthopedics. Uh, so we're proud of the new facility and continue to, to add and recruit new physicians and folks to join our group and expect to continue expansion as the years go on in the Mid-South area. Well, the, I was going to say briefly, just on the research side of things, um, in addition to publishing Campbell's Operative, uh, we, through our Campbell Foundation and Campbell Clinic, um, we're publishing well over 100 peer-reviewed publications a year. And my goal is to have uh, inf research information coming out of Campbell Clinic that uh, orthopedic surgeons and colleagues around the world look at and say, this is credible information coming from a very reliable group. And this is information that's going to change the practice of orthopedics and have a direct impact on our patients. And then lastly, in the education area, we have um, eight brand new residents coming into our program this year. We receive about 800 applications. We interview 100 medical students and we match eight of them. We also have eight fellows in postgraduate care coming in for surgical subspecialties. And we are intimately involved with the medical students at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center. In addition to once COVID becomes a bit more flexible, going back to having medical students from around the country rotating through our program annually. So we, we will have anywhere from 50 to 75 medical students outside of UT that will come through and spend a month with us to see what goes on in our program. And then lastly, I think community service. We are, we are absolutely committed to uh, care in the uh, Memphis area, particularly through uh, the trauma center, through the downtown area, but also through, obviously through East Memphis, so the suburbs, West Tennessee, North Mississippi, and Arkansas as well but we remain committed to not only practicing in the region, but a, a dedicated practice to the community and the, particularly in the downtown area. And so all those things are happening right now. It's fun to have them all going on at one time and lots of energy, but they're all, all going on at once. Yeah, I can't imagine. I'm uh, sure it keeps y'all busy. And um, I've heard some of the angst from the students about not being able to do rotations like they've historically been able to. And um, that alone seems like um, full-time job to me. So um, can't imagine everything. I'll tell you, Clint, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, Clint, we've been really lucky. UT, which I'm very proud of how the university's responded because uh, even though we've been, the medical students not been able to rotate sometimes out of state, they have been able to spend some time both in Memphis, Nashville, Chattanooga, and Knoxville. So that's given them flexibility to do the so-called away rotations, even though they're within state. Right. And that's been a great accomplishment, I think, for the university. Well, that's good. It's been all about adapting and amending and everything else. That's been the spirit of the pandemic. Um, 
want to turn a little bit to a personal level. Um, we'll, we'll definitely weave some clinic comments in this. Uh, Campbell Clinic and Memphis Medical Society and the TMA have been partners for a long time. We're grateful for that partnership. Uh, you're new to our board, but you've obviously got a lot of experience volunteering in organized medicine and leading in organized medicine. What do you want to talk about to other physicians as far as the benefits of organized medicine and maybe why they should get involved? That's a great question. I think a couple of comments. One, um, Campbell Clinic does have a long tradition with the medical society here. We've had a number of my predecessors who served in leadership with the organization uh, during their time. Uh, I think one of the questions that comes up, I think, for all of us is what is the value of being a member of an organization? What value does it provide to you as a member? Because it is time and other, other commitments to do so. And so just in my brief time and in involvement with the Medical Society and being a member for a long, long time, there are a couple of things that come to mind. One of them is that uh, I think the education activities that go on behind the scene, it's very clear that the Medical Society is committed to involvement with the medical students and those who are in residency training to help give information to them and be a resource for things that are going on in the education arena. We love having them involved, uh, provide early membership and having their involvement in collaboration with the medical school and the other education organizations in the region is really important and provides information to them at an early time frame. I think the second thing is probably the advocacy effort. Um, I spent a lot of time in Washington and some time in Nashville over the years. It's safe to say that, as my friends used to say, if, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're what's for dinner. And the truth of the matter is, is that, that being involved with the medical society and also having the advocacy efforts go on between us and the TMA allow our voices to be heard both at the state, local, state, and national level. And I think that physicians, we need to understand that we do practice and take care of patients and provide that part of the care that we're going to for our patients. That's part of what we do in service as a physician. But we also are going to need to interact with the political community, the economic leadership, the administrative leadership of many organizations so that they hear our input and that they hear our voice. If we, if we do the right things in that area, we serve as a sounding board. And believe me, the, the, those involved in politics and economics and the legal world and many other professions outside medicine, they, they long for a sounding board on many issues. And it's important that our voices be heard. Uh, so I think those are probably the two main areas. I think the education and advocacy uh, issues are extremely important for physicians. And by being a member of our medical society, you're really starting off at the local and regional level in your mind, but you truly are participating in state and national activities when you get involved with the medical society here in Memphis, because your voices are going to be heard at that level and beyond. So I encourage uh, the young students to develop an early education about involvement with organizations to find out which organizations fit you, but certainly your medical society here is going to do that. And then carry on that effort when you get out into your practice that you, you owe a debt to the profession of medicine to give something back. And part of what you need to give back is involvement with your societies 
so that your voices can be heard and you can train and educate the next generation. That was really well said. We're going to have to have you conduct the next uh, membership training um, with, with comments like that. Um, normally, we script physicians to say things like that, and uh, Dr. Beatty didn't get a script for this one, so thanks for those words. No. Uh, before we uh, wrap up, I uh, just want to give you a chance to make any parting comments, Any anything you want to talk about about the future of you, the clinic, anything else before we adjourn? Yeah, I think the future for us for Campbell Clinic, and I'm, I'm certainly very proud of everything going on here. Um, the last thing that we're going to do is stand still in time. We're going to continue to do the things that I think we do very well, uh, but we are absolutely committed to uh, remaining on the cutting edge of what's going on in the orthopedic world. Uh, as a matter of fact, when we find new procedures that are going on around the world, uh, we actually will either send someone there to see what's going on with those, those practices and their patients, or in these times, certainly communicating by the internet. So we are up to date on what's going on globally, not just in our local area. Uh, the next thing is we continue to plan to increase our research activities through Campbell Clinic and through Campbell Foundation uh, to continue to, to write and publish and present you know, to be honest with you, Clint, I, I believe that things that we publish out of Campbell Clinic, I think that it's not just that it benefits us by reputation, but I personally think it's great for the Memphis community and the Memphis medical name, and also fortunately for our university here at UT. So I think uh, all boats rise together and we're, we're gonna continue to do that. We are uh, continue to attract medical students from around the country. We are lucky to have some of the smartest and brightest kids who are coming here to do their residency and then go back out into the country. A lot of them are gonna stay in the Memphis or Mid-South area, but we have almost 500 graduates practicing around the country out of 20,000 orthopedic surgeons. So we have some long reaching tentacles just from our program in the alumni network. And then lastly, I think um, besides just quality care, research and education, I mean, our commitment to the service in the community and in the Mid-South area is definitely going to continue. It's part of the mission of our group. We plan to continue to serve that underserved population base and those who need orthopedic care and sometimes have a hard time in access getting it. But that's gonna continue for us. So frankly, I'm, I'm optimistic about 2021 post COVID, I hope, and even more optimistic about 2022 and beyond. Thanks for having me today. I really appreciate it. And, Look forward to my participation with the Medical Society. Well, we can't thank you enough for spending some time with us today. And I'm grateful for the uh, service you've given to the Medical Society so far and really grateful for your membership and Campbell Clinic's membership in the organization and hope to be able to do more interviews like this with your physicians and other physicians out there. And that's kind of what I'll leave us with today. If, uh, you enjoyed today's interview and it's an opportunity or a way um, for your practice to promote itself a little bit more. It's another uh, benefit we're glad to offer with Memphis Medical Society and the TMA. So feel free to reach out to us if that's something that's of interest to you. Uh, I'm Clint Cummins signing off and thank you again, Dr. Beatty, for joining us today and we'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Memphis MedCast, a podcast series from Memphis Medical Society. Subscribe to our podcast anywhere you enjoy listening to podcasts or mdmemphis.org.